I always wanted to be a cheerleader. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here as we come together for this hour of worship. Glad that you can be here with us today. If you're visiting with us, we are delighted to have you and hope that you'll be coming back on uh, many future occasions. We just finished a wonderful children's program at the 10 o'clock hour over in the Family Life Center, and uh, we appreciate all that uh, uh, Jessica has done with the choirs this year to, to make this happen, and uh, Kelly Watson's been working with the Little Bitty Ones, um, and I think Ann had to do some double duty accompanying the, the choirs. So uh, anyway, it was a wonderful program, and we thank them very much for that experience today. Uh, just a couple of brief announcements. Um, one is that uh, children are reminded of the Christmas party fit for a king this evening between 5.30 and 7 in the social hall. Um, this will be a fun and special night celebrating the real meaning of Christmas with fun, games, snacks, activities, and story time. So we hope to see you there. Uh, and Hammond will be near the back today with envelopes for next year for your contributions and hope you can pick that up uh, as you leave here today. We also have copies of uh, this month's newsletter in the back if you have not yet gotten yours. Uh, you are welcome to pick one up today. I have been able to send bulletins and newsletters out by email this week to those people who, whose addresses I have. So if you have an email address that you would like to share with the church office, if you will uh, send it to us, I can include you in that emailing as we are having to do a good bit of nowadays with, uh, with June's schedule um, having been affected by Woody's illness. Uh, by the way, Woody is back at the cottages following his second heart attack and is doing very nicely, but got a long recovery ahead. So I'm um, um, not sure what exactly the office situation is going to be in the coming days. So just want to make you aware of that. Also want you to know that um, Don Watson passed away yesterday afternoon about four o'clock and his uh, memorial service uh, I believe will be at two o'clock on Tuesday uh, here in our sanctuary with visitation immediately before that. So we want to call your attention to that and ask your prayers for Priscilla and the family uh, in the death and uh, Don's passing. Um, no, I'm leaving some stuff out. When I'll come, it'll come back to me later. It is good to see all of you and trust that you're having a, a wonderful and blessed uh, Christmas uh, Advent season as we prepare to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
Confession of Faith is the Apostles' Creed, found on page 881 of your hymnal. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and stood at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. time we will celebrate the lighting of the second Advent candle. Chapter 1, verse 4. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We light this candle as a symbol of Christ the way. May the word sent from God through the prophets lead us to the way of salvation. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Now we invite the children to come forward to join Katie Jeter for a few moments of sharing. Good morning. Good morning. 
I know y'all have been busy this morning, haven't you? You've been singing. It was so good. Well, I have a question for you. Do you always keep your room clean? Is it always clean and it looks so good? Almost always. Are your toys always picked up? No clothes on the floor? You make your bed every morning? Most of the time? No. No. I don't really know how to fix the bed. Yeah. Well, that's good. Are there dust bunnies under your bed? You know what dust bunnies are? Any of those? Well, oh, really? Well, if you knew someone uh, was coming to visit you this afternoon, maybe if I was coming to see you, would you rush home after church and make sure your room was really clean for me? You think? Yeah? Well, my mom was a very good housekeeper growing up. She still is a good housekeeper. I just don't live there anymore. And she always kept the house so neat and clean. But when somebody was coming over, she would always run and start getting out all this. What's all this? What are these things? Cleaning supplies. And even if it looked clean, she would clean again. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does that sound familiar? Double cleaning, yes. She would get out the broom and the mop and the pail and the sponges and the window cleaner and these things that I brought with me this morning. And she might even call me and my sister in there and give us assignments. Did you ever have to do that, help clean? If somebody's coming over, if your mom's in a rush to get ready? Well, can you imagine what it would be like if around our house if we were expecting somebody really, really important, like a king or a queen? Would that be even more stressful? And you would have to clean maybe triple, you think? Well, that's what we're talking about this morning in our Bible lesson. We're talking about the coming of a king, and not just any king, but the king of kings. Who's the king of kings? Jesus. Well, can you imagine what it would be like if he was coming? You would want your house to be really clean, huh? Well, the Bible tells us that in the days before Jesus, when he, before he began his ministry, a man called John began preaching and telling the people to prepare for the coming king. He wanted them to get ready. And when he told them to prepare, he didn't mean they should go home and clean the floors, did he? No. no. He meant that they should prepare their hearts. And how could they do that? Yes, lots of ways. Praying would definitely be one of them. But he wanted them to repent of their sins and turn toward God. And when they did this, John would baptize them in the Jordan River. And that's how he got his name. You heard of John the Baptist, right? We've talked about him before. So it's important for me and you to do the same thing. We want our hearts to always be ready for the coming of our king, for the coming of Jesus. And we do that by asking for forgiveness of our sins and like Sarah Catherine said, praying. And if we do that, the Bible tells us that he will forgive us and he'll make our hearts clean, just like our houses are when we're getting ready for a special visitor. So then we'll be ready for Jesus whenever he comes. Don't think that's a pretty good idea? Yeah. So let's pray together and remember that, not just to keep our houses clean, but our hearts. Dear God, every day we do things that need your forgiveness. We ask you to forgive us and make our hearts clean so that we may always be ready to welcome the King. Amen.
We are speeding through the Advent season, so I want to remind you that next Sunday morning will be our special choir presentation, the Festival of Lessons and Carols, and we invite you to please be present for that. We have some special handbell ringing coming up the week following that, so we do uh, remind you of the wonderful opportunities that, uh, that you have this Advent season to uh, celebrate the birth of Christ. Also want to say that um, we're, we're beginning to see signs that, that Arthur Holt has very little future as a secretary in the office. Uh, we, we apologize to uh, Broadus and Cat Dobson's family for the absence of flowers today. I'm not real sure exactly what happened. But as I know Broadus and Cat, they would just as soon have a, a, a lunch at uh, Baracco's uh, instead of flowers. I'm sure that, that uh, that's the most Mexican-eating man I've ever seen in my life. He loves that place. So, but our, the thought was certainly beautiful, and we appreciate his grandchildren uh, for remembering them in this way. Our lesson today from uh, the Old Testament is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will, lie, will live with the lamb. The, shepherd, uh, the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is the Canticle of Zechariah on page 208. I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share together this passage of scripture. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to set the chosen people free. The Lord has raised us up, my mighty Savior from the house of David. 
Through the holy prophets, God promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. To show mercy to our This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham. To set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship without fear, holy and righteous in the Lord's sight, all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. In our epistle lesson from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. Then the Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, this has already been such a wonderful, special day as we have gathered at an earlier hour for worship, as we have been blessed by the singing and the words of our children's choirs blessing us again with the Christmas story. We're thankful for this third activity in the day for us to come together to worship you, to be reminded of the importance of the good news. So important was the coming of the good news about Jesus that you went to great, great trouble to prepare the way and to make sure, O oh God, that there were others who could prepare the way for the coming of the kingdom. And we're thankful for this. We celebrate the ministry of those that you sent to prepare the way of the Lord, especially John the baptizer. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as we think about his ministry and work today, we might be reminded that in some ways Jesus followed in his footsteps, proclaiming the same kingdom that John proclaimed. And indeed, we are in some ways following in John's footsteps, proclaiming the possibility that people have of living under the rule of Almighty God, our King. And we seek your blessings as we proclaim the good news of your kingdom, that you are the ruler. And we are thankful, too, that you use us to blaze trails like you did, John, that we might blaze trails into the lives of our neighbors and friends who this day perhaps are lonely or grieving or just needing friendship. Thank you, Lord, and send us in the spirit of Elijah and in the spirit of John to say to those, prepare a way for the Lord into your lives and hearts. Lord, we are truly thankful for your constant presence with us. Life is not always what we expect it to be. There are times that illness comes upon us unexpectedly. There are times that death comes and takes away someone we love. We ask your blessings upon all those this day who are suffering grief and loneliness, for those who are struggling with issues of their health. And we pray, Lord, too, for those who have other needs in their lives, that they might look up and see the light of your love coming to them in their times of depression or discouragement or in their time of need. For we pray all these things in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Well, for a few brief months, Steve Connett's family and the choir has Steve back until the next football season and the next time Burns wins a state championship. This is getting rather redundant, you know, but congratulations to those of you that are so involved in the Burns football program. They uh, continue to be impressive in their victories. And we're glad to have choir member back. <laughs> Here now our uh, scripture lesson from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. 1 through, yeah, 12. In those days, John the Baptist came, came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here ends the lesson. There's a voice in the wilderness crying, a call from the ways untrod. Prepare in the desert a highway, a highway for our God. The valleys shall be exalted, the lofty hills brought low. Make straight all the crooked places where the Lord our God may go. This is the first verse of a, an old hymn that was in our old Methodist hymn book that we used until the late 80s. It was written by James L. Milligan in 1925 to celebrate the creation of the United Church of Canada from a union of Presbyterian, Methodist, and Congregational churches. It's obviously a reference to John the Baptist's ministry, and we read the story about John the Baptist every year early in Advent because the church has always introduced the ministry of Jesus by telling about the baptism from John and the ministry of John. John is often referred to as the last of the Old Testament style prophets, and he is sometimes referred to as the second Elijah because he certainly was the inheritor of Elijah's power and spirit. What do we know about this giant in the faith? 
Well, one of the interesting facts that we learn from the nativity stories, especially from Luke, is that John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary, were cousins. But in spite of that, it's not likely that the boys got to spend much, if any, time together when they were young. In John's gospel, the fourth gospel, John the baptizer claims that he was not familiar with Jesus when Jesus came to him to be baptized. He said the only way he knew that Jesus was the Messiah was that he had seen the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. So that and other things make it unlikely that the two uh, men knew each other during their childhood. Luke tells us that John was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both of them were descendants of the priestly family of Aaron. And Zechariah was a member of the priestly division of Abijah. They were very devout members of the Hebrew community, but they were childless. And in those days, people looked at you like there was something wrong with you if God hadn't blessed you with children. It was thought to be a spiritual condition in those days instead of a medical one as we understand it today. Zechariah and Elizabeth were quite old now. The team of Abijah was due to take their turn in the temple. They drew straws, so to speak, to see which, of one, which one of them would have the duty and privilege of lighting the incense, and Zechariah won. While the worshipers were gathering outside the temple, Zechariah was inside making preparations, and he had a visit from an angel, and he was terrified. Here he was in church, and God actually showed up that day. The angel tried to calm his fears, telling him that his many years of prayers had been heard, that he and Elizabeth would soon be having a son. That baby is to be named John, said the angel. He will have the power of Elijah. He will be called to a mission of restoring people to the faith of Israel, said the angel. He will prepare the way for the Lord. The words of the angel had to have a great impact on how John was raised. They almost are a direct quote from the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of our Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The Lord will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Well, Zechariah reacted to this angelic visitor pretty much like you and I would have. You've got to be kidding me. I'm old. Elizabeth is old. How can this be and how can I know this will be true, what you've told me? The angel Gabriel replied, here's your sign. Because you doubted me, you will be silent until the baby's born. And the words of the angel came to pass. Zechariah couldn't say another word. And soon Elizabeth was expecting her first child. 
I had a lady say to me one time, you see, men, if you just be quiet, things will happen. Eight days after the baby was born, when it was time to circumcise and name the baby, the scribes were about to record his name in their book as Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, he's to be named John. They didn't believe it, so they went to the, uh, to the mute person, John, and said, what is his name? And he wrote on a tablet, John. And the minute he indicated the name of the child, he was able to speak again. His voice returned, and he said the beautiful words that we shared in our responsive reading. It is likely that Zechariah and Elizabeth lived at some distance away from Jerusalem, out near the wilderness, because we do know that John was raised out there in that setting. The harshness of that environment produced a very rugged young man. There were others that lived in that area who were hermits. Some of them were called Essenes, and they are the ones that gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. If you're unfamiliar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, I hope you will learn about them. They are very old copies of parts of our Old Testament, preserved in clay jars in caves high up. For 19 centuries, they were lost until their discovery soon after World War II. They have been called the most important archaeological discovery in our time, and it is likely that John's friends were a part of putting that together. Those hermits lived in the desert for several reasons. <clears throat> First of all, the harshness of the area removed them from the temptations that they had found with the easy life in the city, and it enabled them to focus on spiritual issues. Secondly, being out in the wilderness meant that they were pretty well left alone, not bothered by the Romans or the Jewish authorities very much. It is thought that John was a member of one of those groups, and he excelled in his spirituality. Some have wondered if John might have even been raised by the monks of those communities because they often took in orphans to raise. And the fact that Zechariah and Elizabeth were, were both quite old could have meant that John was an orphan before he grew up. And it could be that that increases the likelihood that he was a part of this community because they took in orphans. But by the age of 30, John looked the part of a wilderness hermit. He wore clothing made out of camel skins and he ate locusts and wild honey, grasshoppers and wild honey. This morning at the early service when Kelly Watson was talking with the children uh, during the children's sermon, she said, children, there's not enough honey in the world to make me eat grasshoppers. It's about the way I feel. John's message was simple and direct to the point. The Messiah is coming. God's kingdom is coming. Get ready. Straighten out all of your lives to be ready for his arrival. Baptism was given as the sign of repentance and forgiveness of past sins, but John also expected his converts to walk on the straight and narrow from that time on. Produce good fruits, John exhorted, and his message included more than just the Ten Commandments of doing and do not do. He encouraged the people to become generous and to take care of the needy. If you have two tunics, he said, 
Give one away to your poor neighbor. If you have extra food, you must share it with those in need. Tax collectors must become honest, taking only the amount due them and no more. False accusations must stop. Even though John's was a voice crying way out in the wilderness, his words echoed all the way back down to the big city of Jerusalem. And so people came out to the desert region from uh, Jerusalem to get right with God. Even religious leaders feared the loss of prestige if they didn't show up and at least look like they were supporters of John. But John saw right through their motives. When he saw them coming, he called them snakes in the grass. Because of John's strict piety and the fact that he was out there in the desert and some distance away from the temple uh, police, he could get away with harsh things like that. Now, it's interesting to me to compare John with Jesus because they were not at all alike, although they both proclaimed the kingdom of God. The people who went out to the Jordan to be baptized by John thought that he was to be the Messiah. No one seemed to think that about Jesus at first. John was hard and austere. There was no bending of this reed in the wind. His message was harsh too. Don't think you're so special just because Abraham is your ancestor, he said. God can make children for Abraham out of rocks. The Messiah is coming like a logger with an axe in his hands, ready to chop you down if you're not bearing fruit for his kingdom. He's going to chop you down and throw you in the fires of hell. John was very serious all the time. There was no humor in the man. He was a fire and brimstone preacher. Meanwhile, Jesus was very mild-mannered by comparison. His preferred tool wasn't an axe, but a short story, a parable. After John was put in prison by Herod because John had criticized Herod for committing adultery with his sister-in-law, John took a long look at Jesus and began to question whether Jesus was the Messiah. Where was the fire that was supposed to burn up the chaff? Where was the axe that was supposed to chop down the trees? This Jesus of Nazareth seemed to be content on just healing the sick and forgiving sinners. And why did he spend all of his time telling sweet little stories? And whereas John lived the strict life of poor food and no wine, Jesus enjoyed going to parties and enjoyed consuming fancy food and wine. The fact of the matter is that some people would have preferred a harsh fundamentalist step-on-your-toes preacher like John to be the Messiah over a soft-spoken, loving, love-your-enemies yarn-spinning preacher like Jesus. Why, Jesus even liked to tell jokes in his sermons. Yes, he did. How can you say to your brother, let me help you take the speck out of your eye, when you got a big old plank in your eye? Take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you'll see how to help your brother take the little speck out of his eye. Which of you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to good gift, 
good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then my favorite of Jesus' jokes, you know what you people are like. You're like children sitting in the marketplace calling back and forth to each other. We played a happy tune on the flute, but you wouldn't dance. We sang a sad song and you wouldn't cry. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you said, he's crazy, he's got a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, wisdom's children will know what's right. There was one more meritorious thing that John did that you and I need to observe and consider worthy of praise. And that is that he didn't let his ego run wild, giving in to the temptation to be more than God had called him to be. His followers wanted him to step up and be the Messiah. Even though he was operating in the mode of Elijah, he said he wasn't Elijah and he wasn't that prophet. When people hoped that he was the Messiah, John shot that down quickly and said, oh no, another one is coming after me one who's much more powerful than I am. John said, I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. When he comes, the Messiah will baptize people with the Holy Spirit and fire. But John was content just to be a servant of the Messiah. And John did something else that you and I are called on to do every day. Like John, we are to be the builders of roadways into people's lives. Roads over which Jesus may travel. You and I cannot save anyone, but we sure can create openings in people's hearts and lives through which the Savior might travel into someone's heart. Let us be voices crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Amen.